Hi, this is Connor from Fireside Church. Thank you for listening to Fireside Church messages. If you want to learn more about our church or what we're doing during this time to stay connected, visit our website, firesidechurch.org. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Fireside. If you're tuning in live or good afternoon, night, whenever you're maybe listening to this. and um, It's been a couple weeks since I've preached, and um, I'm just feel like God has placed a lot of things on my heart. So, you know, I challenge you guys to share what God is saying to us um, in this moment. Um, send it to friends who may need it, because this has been something that has really helped me. Um, I'm in my basement right now, and behind me, if, if you're listening, you can't see it, but if you're watching, these are paintings that Ellie did We're in our playroom down in our basement, um, because I'm trying to get away from our four kids. And this is like the only place that is not super loud. So hopefully it's not a distractant. But most of this sermon was prepared and prepped um, in the hospital this week at Boston Children's. And for those of you who don't know, um, Ellie uh, was admitted last week for a cycle of chemo and radiation and then started the next day with uh, chemo and antibody and then started the next day with radiation. And to be honest with you, it was one of the hardest weeks we've ever had. And I'm not saying this for pity, but I'm telling you this because uh, it's real and that God's presence and his peace um, just filled that room, though it was extremely hard. And so Ellie relapsed for the second time and just got so good. There's so many people in this journey that have just come around us and um Things had to like move. Mounds really literally had to be moved to get her in this week. ICU, allergy, oncology, our team, radiation. And we were able to get in a week of treatment. But it really, really hit her hard. And it really hit us hard. Um, the night before, she was climbing rocks all over the beach. And then since then, she's been barely able to walk. And I, like again, I, I'm just saying this out of, out of realness of what God um, is doing and we're being tested and, and, and I believe that. And as I'm in the hospital, I'm thinking, what is the word for fireside? What is the word for me? And usually we plan out our sermons months in advance of the topics and we didn't. You know, Connor, thank you for preaching last week and Taryn Webb for sharing the week before. And I was like, you know, I just want to share what God has been revealing to me. And I've been in this, this is my Bible and I've been just like in this and I'm like, do I really believe this? This is a question that I was asking myself, like um, reading all these stories of just faith in action that wasn't just faith that was in reaction to their circumstances, but faith that was driving their circumstances. And I'm reading in Hebrews where it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm saying, God, if, if you're the same yesterday and, and what I'm reading is true, then you are the same today and that what you've done you can do and what you have, have given in terms of power and authority that that power and authority through spirit we have as Jesus said and I'm just like God I want this I want to believe that this is a non-fiction book not just a book that has some good stories and make us feel good when we're in times of troubles. But I, I want my life to be based on some of the faith that I see here. And I want that faith. And this has been my prayer that I, I want to live with that boldness. Because I think so many of us, we are so reactionary in our faith. 
um, that when circumstances come, we'll react. And I believe that our faith should sometimes drive our circumstances because of our action and what we believe. And so these stories surfaced, you know, and I want to talk about them over the next, you know, three or four weeks. And Kate might jump in and talk about one as well, about these men that just had these like rock solid faith that they would go out on a limb because what they knew to believe is true. That it wasn't just sitting back and as things came, they would deflect them and they would react with faith, but they would actually go and have faith in action because this is real and it's true and this is what I want. And I'm reading in James 1 verse 2 and it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. And we're facing trials personally, but if you look at the world, my goodness, there are trials. COVID-19, all the um, uh, social injustices that are surfacing. And my guess is that's not just, that's just the tip of the iceberg for you, that you're probably going through financial, physical, spiritual, relational troubles in your own life. And you're hearing people saying, I'm just done. I'm done with it. So I, I, I'm going to change how I live because I, I just can't live in the moment and when you look at the news like well not a lot of things have changed and actually things may be getting worse and you're like what is going on so there's trial and James said consider it joy like no this isn't joyful at all and then because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance that perseverance finishes its work that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and so I believe that these trials are meant to test us We, sometimes, we don't want to be tested. And if you go back to high school or when you were in athletics, if you played sports, that things that pushed you or, or tested you, it was hard. You didn't want to. But if you would ask a teacher, I am doing this for your own good because I really want you to learn. I really want you to grow. So you can feel the purpose that this class has, that this practice has. But we think, no, 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 these, these aren't real tests. God doesn't do that. And I was thinking of a story when I was in high school. My best friend, Mike, he's so competitive, so competitive and in geometry, but in all academics, but in geometry, we're in the same class. And he would come in and he would ask the teacher every day, we're going to have a pop quiz, we're going to have a pop quiz. Because I think he didn't want one because he knew it would hurt his grade. And she's like, no, Mike, no pop quiz. And it started to drive everybody, including the teacher, just crazy. So one day, when he stepped out of the class to go to the restroom, the teacher said, hey guys, um, this is what we're going to do. I've created a fake test that I'm going to give you. Don't worry about it. The questions are impossible to do, but just kind of scribble some things, wait 5, 10, 15 minutes, and one at a time, bring them up, and I'm going to grade them in front of everyone, and we're just going to watch Mike sweat because I'm sick of him asking questions. So he comes back in and he says, hey class, just to let you know, we're doing a pop quiz, and he freaks out, what? We're doing a pop test? No! It's like, you'll be fine. You, you've, you guys have been doing your homework and stuff. You'll be fine. And so he looks at it and he's kind of talking out loud. He's like, how? We don't know this stuff. And he's like, Mike, it's easy. And, and, and the teacher's like, no talking. And so one at a time, we'd bring it up. And he's like, guys, I, to save time, I'm just going to grade him in front of everybody. Hey, Sally, great job, 100%. You know, I come up and Andy, awesome job, A+. Plus. And, and my buddy is like, what? How are you knowing this? How are, what's going on? And, and finally, we all pass it in. We all get a hundreds. And he just like starts freaking out. And finally, the teacher says, gotcha. 
Mike, it was a fake test. Now stop complaining. And I say that story because I think that we believe that it's a fake test. And sometimes we're waiting for God to say, no, no, gotcha. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's fine. It doesn't, no, no, God's like, no, these are real. And I, because I want you to have a real faith. I want you to lean on me. I want you to follow me in all situations. And we see that and we say, well, this isn't fair. God, you're not giving me what I want. You, this isn't my plan. It's like, no, no, it's not. But in order for you to grow in your faith, there has to be these tests in your life. You know, and I want you to grow in your faith because that is your purpose. And we're in a place right now with Ellie where there is no plan. That we've been trying to predict it. God, if you do this when we want you to do this, well then you win because we'll give you glory. But we'll win because we'll get what we want. And we kind of have these scenarios in our um, minds that we say, hey, no good, you do this. And that's not how it works. And for the first time, we are in a place where we can't predict God's plan with Ellie's story. We don't know. The doctors don't even know. We're just taking a week at a time. And, and we go back to like, you know, how did we get to this place? And we should have done this. We should have done that. And we, in every step of the way, and I mean this, we brought it to the Lord and we felt peace about it. So therefore, I feel like we're exactly where God wants us to be. But where we are is in an uncertain place. And you may be in the same place that you may be in a place of uncertainty, but maybe that's where exactly where God wants you to be because he's testing you. And the bottom line is this. If we're being tested, how are you doing? What grade would you get right now? And my fear is that so many of us are not doing well. I'm not talking about C's, average, B's. I'm talking about people who are just failing. My plan didn't happen. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trust in his. And you're failing in your faith. And God's saying, the one thing I want for you to, is to have rock-solid faith. And it's so easy to have faith when everything's going well. And it's so easy to plead when things are going bad, to hope, him, to hope that he can get things back on track so they will go well. But when do things go bad and they continue to go bad? What's your grade right now? And so this was my conviction. I was like, God, I, I want to... Believe this. I want to have the faith. I want to have A plus faith. That my life would be a reflection of what I believe. And my faith wouldn't be a reflection of my circumstances. And I was listening to a sermon from uh, Elevation and um, it brought me to this passage. And so Stephen Furtick preached something different, but I'm thankful for him bringing me to this story again because this was something I preached on last year. And it's when Paul gets on a boat and they get shipwrecked in a little town of Malta. And last year we talked about what he did in this little town, this little island, and he healed everyone and there was a huge revival. But before then, we see Paul kind of acting on his faith in the midst of uncertainty. So if you have your, your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 27. And so much time had been lost. And just to kind of back up a little bit, Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. 
And he appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. And, he's, and God placed it on his heart to go to the top dog in the world, Caesar, to proclaim the gospel. And so they were going to let him go. He's like, no, no, I appealed to Caesar. And like, what do you mean? It's like, no, no, take me to Rome. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to the big guy. And so off they go. Um, in chains, send them off to Rome. So much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned the men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the shipping cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So Paul said, hey guys, um, I know you don't want to stay here, but if we go, it's going to be disastrous. And they didn't want to winter there. Um, it wasn't the best harbor. And in the Mediterranean, winter is just stormy weather and the boats were not capable of uh, uh the strength of these storms so they would kind of shut everything down for the winter months and wait for the spring to come but they had an agenda they wanted to get someplace they had a journey that they wanted to go on so in verse 13 it says when a gentle wind began to blow they saw their opportunity so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete so things change and they thought what they thought was an opportunity was really a, a destruction <laughs> And, and I was like reading this and I was reading another translation and said this. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete. And so this idea of purpose, this is actually the right translation of Greek for this passage is that they thought what was their purpose. They looked and they saw the winds changing and they said, whoa, we want to get to this destination and we're seeing a shift in the circumstances in order for us to fulfill the purpose in which we think we have. And this word purpose, I think, was so fascinating and it hit me hard is that what we believe is our purpose is often not the purpose God has for us. And we will jump on these opportunities because we want to get to the place where we want to go. Oh, that, well, this job opening or this relationship or this happened up and up. So I'm going to jump on this because this is what I believe is my purpose. When the reality is we all have the same purpose and that is to follow Jesus Christ. And God gives us different gifts and puts us in different circumstances in order to, to do that. But our overall purpose is that. But so many times I know our purpose is to meet financial needs. Our purpose is to have, you know, everyone happy. Our purpose is to get married. Our purpose is to be a good parent. Our purpose is all these things, which all of them are good things, but they're not your purpose. And so when we see a shift in the winds that may look or appear to be something, an opportunity to fill our own purpose, we jump on it, which oftentimes will lead to our destruction. And what they should have done is said, listen to Paul, who's a godly man. They should have listened to God, like, God, what, what is your purpose? Do you want us to stay? Do you want us to go? Know that your purpose is to follow Jesus, not to follow your feelings. So, 
verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not heed into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kada, we were horribly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Usually the lifeboat was kind of uh, on, a, on a rope behind and it was getting battered, so they brought it on board. And then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sidus. They lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Needless to say, it is hard going. It is a trial. They are in the midst of the storm. Now they, instead of going to their destination with their purpose, now their purpose is just to survive. It's changed. And verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you'd have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. He was like, men, I, I told you so. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I have served stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. It will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now, I, I can't tell you that whatever storm you're in, God is giving you a word that you're going to get through it and intact. So I, I can't say that for you. But what I admire about Paul is that he heard the Lord say this and he took it to heart and he started to base his actions upon what God had said to him, do not be afraid. We, we, we are going to be okay. But guess what? The worldly things that we're holding on to are going to be destroyed in the process. The ship is going to break. We are going to run aground. I don't know where and I don't know when, but it is going to happen. But do not be afraid. And you're thinking, like, what do you mean don't be afraid? We're going to run aground. <laughs> Our ship is going to fall apart. They said, but your lives won't. That's faith that I want. Yeah, there's going to be things in your life that are going to fall apart. But don't let the thing that falls apart be your faith. You're failing the faith test. Then verse 27, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. So they took ropes and they threw them overboard and they would measure the ropes. And what they found was that the land was getting closer, that the sea was getting more shallow. And they're throwing tests to see how deep it is. 
and they're starting to test their fear. When God's testing our faith, we will test our fear. This is getting worse. It's getting worse. I'm testing the waters. I'm, I'm Googling what this could be. I'm, I'm listening to these stories, and all of a sudden these things are, are creeping up. And when I'm testing the waters, I'm realizing that things are getting pretty bad, and fear starts to encompass us. And so instead of, you know, having our, uh, testing our fear, God say, no, I want you to increase your faith, because this is a faith test. I don't care if it gets more and more shallow. I'm telling you, you're going to crash. But don't let your faith crash. And then in, in verse 30, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. They're trying to sneak off. They see another opportunity. This is our escape. We can get out of this storm. We can get on this lifeboat. When Paul says, if you want your life, you need to stay on this boat, not on the lifeboat. How many times in our lives when things come, we'll, we'll see these ways out. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to jump on what I think is an opportunity, which is my purpose as we talked about before. I'm going to get on this lifeboat. Then Paul said to the sentry and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. And what I love about Paul is his faith. He said, no, no, God said this, so I'm going to believe in this. And you, you think there's a way out. And that may make sense. That may make sense in a worldly way. You know, when that's why you have a lifeboat, is when your boat is starting to not function as it should, you, you abandon ship. But Paul is going against what the world says. No, 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 no. Don't get on that. Stay here. This is what God says. Now that is faith in action. See, reactionary faith is to see a lifeboat and say, I don't care what God says, I'm getting out of this storm. That's a faith that is reaction to the circumstances. But a faith in action is saying, no, no, no. God has spoken, God has told me to stay here and I'm going to stay here. That's the faith that I want. And it keeps raging on. It's a long time. I don't want to stay in these trials. I don't want to stay in the storm. You know, for us, it's been over three years. We slept in the hospital more than I can remember. I'm talking about months and months and months. And it's like, no, if I saw the lifeboat and said, you get on this, I mean, I'm going to take it. Unfortunately, I don't see that, but I'm saying, God, what is God saying to me? It's like, I have no choice but to ride it out. You have no choice. If, if someone said, hey, COVID-19, it's released, it's done, it's, it's safe, everyone, whether it's a vaccine, herd immune, whatever it may be, you'd be like, great, but that's not going to happen for a while. So right now, things are pretty rough. And our lifeboats become, I'm done. I'm done. It doesn't matter. It's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to get wet anymore. So what happens is this, they end up hitting a shore and they end up having a pretty bad wreck. And those who could swim, swam to shore and they land on this little island called Malta. And those 
who couldn't swim were on driftwood and they run ashore and they're in a pretty, you know, tough place. Boat breaks and they're stranded. And their journey that was supposed to be kind of a quick journey and they knew the way, this is routine for them, became a test. And what happens is Paul is there and he gets snake bit and they think that he's going to die and he doesn't die and he ends up healing all those that were on that little island. And what they thought the purpose of the journey was transportation. We're just transporting Paul to Rome and this cargo. This is the purpose of the trip. Our purpose in sailors is for transportation. See, what was supposed to be for transportation, God used for transformation. This storm came, what seemed to be destruction, that got in the way of the purpose of going from where you were to where you want to be, and there's a storm in the middle. God said, no, I'm going to use this not for what you think is just a, trans, a means of transportation, getting you from point A to point B, from getting you from loneliness to not, to getting you from sadness to happiness. No, no, no. It's going to be for transformation. I'm testing you so you would grow in your faith. And what was a, a short boat trip, it's supposed to be a routine boat trip, became a huge revival. That many, the men on the boat, the men on the the women and the families on the island of Malta became believers in Jesus, that they put their trust in him that wouldn't have if that storm never came. Now, they just did everything. Then they took Paul to Rome. These sailors would go back and nothing would have changed in their life, that they wouldn't be affected of it. They'd say, this is, this is what I do. I'm just someone who just transports from A to B. And instead, God's like, no, no, I'm going to test you. I'm going to raise up a storm in you that it's not about transportation. It's about transformation because I want to transform you. I want to test you because I want you to get a, a passing, not a passing grade. I want you to get an A plus in your faith. I want you to have bold faith. I want you to have faith in action. That's not just reaction that I want you to come to me when everything's going well in your life to still come to me, to long to be with me when everything is great. How are you doing on the test? And so if you're in a journey right now and you're thinking, I just want to get from here to there. Just get me there. When I get there, I will be well. And, and, and if you're frustrated because in the middle are these, and there's these things in life, ask God, how are you transforming me? What is it in my life that I need to submit to you? And maybe... And maybe God is using you to reach people that you may not have come in contact with because of a storm, because you drifted in someone's life that wasn't your purpose, but it was God's. It was God's purpose. And I get it. There are times in my life, I mean, I'm preaching to myself here, I just want to be in this place <laughs> where we can do this and do that and not worry about this and not worry about that. Just 
you know, as our church, can we just go back to our school and just do what we did on Sunday mornings and small groups and just kind of grow that way with Ellie? Can't she just be healthy and just be this kid who just is a normal kid and can't we just have a normal life where we worry about where are we going to go to eat and um, we have vacation and we have time off and we work you know nine to five or whatever it may be Um, what if all these things happen and we get frustrated when you know our transportation you know from our journey from a to b gets disrupted and and so what i'm thinking is like all right god you know where are you sending us to you know what is your purpose and how are you not only just transforming me but how can you use us to transform others and i and i want god to do the same in your life wherever god is taking you in these storms of life how is he using you to transform not just yourself but to transform others because there may be people in your life that are being affected by you because of how god has brought you into their life through these circumstances and that's my prayer and if we believe this we can put our faith in God if we believe this the God that did the things that we read about he's doing the things now Jesus said you know there's gonna be greater things that are gonna happen that this Bible is not a conclusion it's a to be continued that God is still working right now and in the same ways with the same power and with the same authority and you gotta believe that and so for me I'm, I'm looking at this I'm looking at I'm looking at James in James 5 when he says you know the prayers of a righteous men you know the prayers of a righteous men are effective And then he said, Elijah, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, who prayed that it wouldn't rain for three days. Elijah was just a man like you. Like we have access to the same God. And so I'm reading this book. And so I just want to challenge us all to believe in this and say, no matter what storm, I'm going to pass the test. I'm going to get an A. I'm going to be transformed. I want to see you revealed. And I want my faith to be in action, not just in reaction. Again, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. We all need it. So, join us for this journey. Join us. When your plans from point A to B get disrupted, your transportation means is wrong, know that this is exactly the means that God wants to transform us. Lord, I... I thank you for who you are and what you've been doing in all the lives of who are listening. Lord, we pray, God, that you would give us the faith that can only come through tests, that you could give us strength to persevere, Lord, that you could give us boldness, that you would give us revival as we are being drifted into people's and communities' lives, that you would use us to transform those we encounter, Lord, that you would use us to be a witness, that you would use us to be bold, that you would use us to have faith that's in action, that's not just reaction to what's going around, knowing that your goal is to transform us to be like you. So we give you the storms in our life, saying it's a joy. Because with each storm, it just reveals more and more of who you are and how big you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.